Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. If you'll meet me in the book of Isaiah chapter number 9 tonight, I'd also like to read from Luke number 2 tonight as well, the Gospel of Luke, Isaiah 9, and Luke number 2 here this evening. I'll be mindful of your time here tonight, but I am by no means apologizing for what we experienced just a moment ago. Amen. Isaiah 9, in verse number 6, a, a well-treaded verse of Scripture. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Luke 2 and verse number 14 states these words concerning the birth of Christ. The Bible says, speaking of the angels that spoke these words, they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, everybody say peace, peace, goodwill toward men. Isaiah said, there's one that's coming whose name is called the Prince of, everybody say peace. The angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men tonight. I want to just, just do a lesson here this evening. Talk to you tonight about this. Peace, the remedy for conflict. Peace, the remedy for conflict tonight. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I'm grateful today, Lord, for the songs that have been sung and the interaction with the songs lord in your presence lord in this place god that we have given witness to lord jesus in this short time that we have been here tonight god and i pray that that spirit that we felt god even did something in those moments that our eyes have yet lord jesus to behold lord of the stories still yet to be told i pray oh lord this evening that you able to help us god through the teaching of your word anoint my mind mark every air from my mouth god i pray lord for acceptable words as the preacher prayed God, that he would be able to speak, Lord, in this place. We'll praise you and thank you for it. In the lovely name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Everybody say peace. The remedy for conflict. The remedy for conflict. It wasn't that the Prince of Peace was born during a time of peace. It's not that whenever the angel said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace that there was already peace. As a matter of fact, Christ was born during a very volatile time in the world under the control, if you will, of a Roman government. For that matter, being born in a manger by no means would be born in a place of peace. The shuffling of animals, as it were, that was going around uh, that, that, that stable or that manger and where he laid where animals fed and slept themselves and then just imagine the chaos of a newborn child into the world and you have interruptions of people coming to see it for all matter I mean a group of shepherds that come and strangers bursting in as it would be upon mother and child and father and, and then concerning a time of peace on the earth I mean Right from the word go, Christ and his parents are running for their life. Uh, they, they, after dangerous past of Herod to desire to take his life, they return to the city of Nazareth, which is a town that's underneath the Roman government. And so the streets would do nothing but 
echo the sounds of the marching of feet, the pounding of hooves, the grinding, if you will, of wagon wheels and chariots up and down the cobblestone roads that may have been there, cursing of soldiers, laughter, if you will, of the camps, shrieks, and everything else that happened in the city activity. So it was by no means a time of peace. And as a matter of fact, around this time of year, you've already started to get perhaps the numerous cards that you get through the mail, and some of them on them say peace and joy and faith, or they have words on there like peace on earth. And we have a difficult time to try to shut out the world to even savor a moment of peace, particularly today in our world. What's going on in society around us is anything but peaceful, anything but peaceful. Uh, There are things that happen on our own soil and abroad that is very troubling beyond being peaceful and to get a card that says peace on earth it's almost a little bit of irony that's in all of that a cruel joke if you will that we would see this the lack of peace between the nations threats of ISIS on every corner and terrorists here and over there and so with that we need we need some peace we need some peace Dr. Richard Swinson, a director of the Future Health Study Center in Wisconsin, he reported these findings on the North American workplace. He said the average desk worker has 36 hours of work on their desk and spends three hours a week sorting piles. The average manager is interrupted 73 times a day. You might be able to give validity to that, Brother Mason. Moon lighting and overtime are at record levels. Men average 50 hours at work per week because their life is more likely to include domestic chores at home. Most working women average 65 to 85 hours per week. We spend eight months of our lives opening junk mail. We spend one year searching for misplaced objects. That may be higher in some homes. We spend two years of our lives trying to call people who are in or whose lines are busy. Amen. In the 1960s, those who predicted the future, as it were, and the advantages of the future, of future technology for that fact, felt that the biggest challenge to the future would be boredom. They believed that time-saving technologies would increase productivity, which it has, and they informed the United States Senate at a subcommittee that by 1985, people would work 22 hours a week, 27 weeks a year, and would retire at 38. And we're laughing about that. Technology has made us a lot more productive. But the business world, having seen that, sees that we can be more productive with the same amount of hours and they can make more money. So there's an element of greed involved. If you're 38, you should already be retired, I'm sorry to tell you. In his book, It's About Time, Leslie Flynn has a piece entitled, If You Are 35, You Have 500 Days to Live. His premise is that when you subtract the time spent on sleeping, working, tending to personal matters, hygiene, odd chores, medical matters, eating, traveling, and other time stealers, that in the next 35 years, you would have the equivalent of only 500 days to spend as you would like or as you would desire. With all of that being said tonight, in a very 
fast-paced society and fast-paced world, we need some peace. We need some peace. And the question then that we pose to ourselves is this, how is that possible in our modern world? How is that possible in our modern society? First of all tonight, folks, I believe it's important that we define what peace is according to the Bible. What peace is according to the Bible. Because most people are looking at peace through the eyes, secular eyes of Webster, dictionary.com. But what is peace according to the Bible? Uh, by dictionary.com or, or Webster or other dictionaries, peace by the human standard is this, the absence of tension, the absence of conflict. And that's the reason why there's a little bit of trouble amongst the Arabs and even among the Jews because Arabs greet one another with a word called salam. And the Jews greet one another with the word shalom. They both mean the exact same thing, peace. Yet both of these parties go right on fighting with one another. It's similar to a conference that a speaker had some participants at and he asked them to greet one another with a greeting early in, that was used early in the church of the New Testament scripture. He said, next morning greet one another with Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. Two little old ladies in the next morning was in the hotel elevator. He came in the door. Their little old crippled voices kind of trilled out, and they said in unison, marijuana, brother, marijuana. <laughs> just a conflicting of terms. It just doesn't mean what you're trying to say. <laughs> Bless their hearts. The ancient words for peace the ancient words for peace, biblical words for peace, do not mean the absence of tension or the absence of conflict. But rather, the biblical word for peace means this, the tranquility of order. The tranquility of order. In other words, the biblical definition of peace means that there can possibly be chaos all around us. But a person with God's spirit and God's presence can remain at peace because there's order in their life because of God, because of his presence being in his life. And so the peace of God is not a lack of activity. It's not the lack of a challenge. You can be busy uh, and you need to be busy doing what God has called us to do. Amen. Because that's where our peace comes from. When our lives, this kind of tongue and grooves a little bit with last week, when our lives are ordered in a fashion that is pleasing unto the Lord. So the apostolic salutation perhaps of our day just needs to be simply the biblical word, peace. That doesn't mean there's nothing going wrong. That doesn't mean there isn't any conflict or tension. But what it means is this, in the middle of all that, there's tranquility because we have an order that is divine, an order that is stationed by God. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse 2, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. For that matter, beyond Ephesians, almost, almost every epistle that is written in the New Testament Scripture starts with some type of greeting of whether it be peace and grace and mercy. But there's usually always peace that is used there, this application of peace being in a believer's life. And there are a few different applications of peace in our life that we need. And number one is this. We need a peace with God. Yes, we do. 
The question that oftentimes comes at the ending of a person's life, a pastor asking a saint or someone that is a spiritual leader asking an individual is this, is have you made peace with God? Because living a life in disobedience to God, living a life in disobedience to God's word will always bring a feeling of disorder. And not just a feeling of disorder, a literal disorder in your life. So when we talk about peace with God, we're talking about some type of spiritual order for our lives. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse number 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He also said in chapter 14 and verse 17, he says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy. Everybody say in. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. So here we are again stationed that there is the possibility of peace when the Holy Ghost is inside you. You might be in turmoil. But if the Holy Ghost is inside you, in the midst of your turmoil, you can still have peace with God. The Bible says, Romans 8 and 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded. To be spiritually, could I say it like this, aware. Spiritually aware. Amen, of the things that are around about us. So to have peace with God is really what we're talking about concerning salvation. To have peace with God is to have the saving power of God, is to have the Holy Ghost active in our lives because without it, there is ultimate disorder in our life if we are living in disobedience to the word of God or God himself. But not only do we need peace with God, we need the peace of God. Peace with God might be if I'm disobedient. I need to get that right. Peace of God is the aspect concerning the difficulties that bring feelings of disorder in my life. And if I look at them with the wrong perspective, those difficulties start to play games with my mind. And this kind of peace might not be so much a spiritual peace as it is a psychological order. A psychological order of tranquility for the mind. The scriptures give us information concerning this of John 14 and verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I like it because Christ said, I give you peace, I give you my peace. Not as the world giveth. Because if you get peace that the world gives, then theirs is a lack of conflict, a lack of tension. He says, but I give you my peace that works even in the seedbed of tension and in the seedbed of conflict. Don't let your heart be troubled. He said in John 16, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In me, you might have peace. 
Here it is again, folks. He's saying, in the world, tribulation. But if while in the world, you can get in me. Huh? He says, in me. He says, in me, you might have peace. But you're in the world. So I can't have peace in this world until, unless I get in him. I'm living every day in this world. There's tribulation all around, Robert Gross, and I'm going to continue to have it. The only safety net I got for peace while being in this world is to get in him in this world. Someone say amen. I got to get in him in this world. One way that the New Testament writer told me I can get in Christ is that he said as many as are baptized huh, have put on. Whenever I go down in a watery grave of baptism, I just got in Christ, but I'm still in the world. And whenever I got in Christ in the watery grave of baptism, there's something else that was extended to me in the midst of the chaotic world that I live. When I got in Christ while still dwelling in the world, I had the peace of God that passes all understanding that was given to me that I might have peace. And it can help my psychological order, my mind, the battles those things that pull at my mind. The Bible says in Philippians 4 and 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and, if I say and, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. I prayed this prayer so many times. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Jesus. You don't know how many times. Uh, I, there's probably not too many days go by that come tumbling over my lips is not Ephesians 4, 7. And I cry out to God for his peace that it keep my heart and that it keep my mind through Christ Jesus. I've entered into rooms where people have no doubt been greatly attacked in their mind and walked in there and put my hands on their head and declare over them, let the peace of God which pastor, you know what I'm asking for? I'm not asking for everything to subside, but I'm asking God to bring some order. It didn't mean when I left the problem was over, but God started to bring some order to the psychological faculties of that individual's mind and their thought process and their patterns. And in that moment of calamity, there was still yet peace. So we need, yes, we need a peace with God. Our salvation needs to be right. There must be a peace with God. But we also need a peace of God for the troubling and the troubles of our mind or even of our heart. But thirdly, we need peace on earth. Because if you have disobedience between you and God, that can cause a disorder. Difficulties in life can bring troublesomeness to the psychological part of man. But we need peace on earth because whenever you get differences with other men and women, humanity, when you get differences between you and the rest of society, differences, there's a feeling of disorder that comes into your life as well. And this type of peace, it may not be it may not be spiritual and it may not be psychological, but it for sure is relational. There is some relational order, peace, that we need. Luke 2, 24, as I started with today, said glory to God in, in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not the author of confusion. 
but of peace as in all churches of the saints, Ephesians 2.14, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. If there's not peace in our relationship with God, not peace with how we interpret the difficulties of life, if there's not peace in our relationships with fellow men, then there is a potential of disorder and discordant things going on inside of our lives. And since we live out our everyday lives through relationships, let's talk about what a person who has peace on earth acts like. Is this all right? Proverbs 29 and 8, and I'm reading from the Living Bible, it says fools start fights everywhere. Wise men try to keep the peace. Peace on earth. Fools start fighting. Have you ever known anybody that they weren't happy unless they were fighting? Unless they had a bone to pick? Unless, unless they could have a grim, you know, the grimace on their face was their smile. He said, but wise men try to keep the peace. Amen. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So again, because peace is not, according to the biblical example, the absence of tension or conflict, but rather the tranquility of order, you'll never achieve peace by avoiding the problem. World peace is no tension, no conflict, or might even to the degree of avoiding the conflict, avoiding the tension. We got peace. <laughs> That's momentary. There's something brewing. You'll never achieve the peace that Scripture describes as peace by avoiding the problem. Because unresolved conflict is like termites in a relationship. It'll eventually bring the house down. That's the reason why the inspectors, where they come to do their inspection, you have your inspection in your house, and they go through, and they find that's something you've got to get taken care of. Well, we got any type of accusation, uh, acquisition that takes place here. And so pretending that a problem does not exist is not making peace. Amen. No one thought I was going to land here, right? Appeasing the problem. Appeasing the problem. You can't achieve peace by appeasing the problem. God doesn't expect us to be a doormat. Don't misinterpret me. Jesus never backed down from a legitimate issue. But peace at any price is not a legitimate issue or a legitimate peace. Every once in a while, when I swallow my feelings all the time, my stomach keeps score. Does that make any sense? That's okay. So how to be a peacemaker? I want to use the word peace as an acronym, if we may. Peace, the first letter P, plan for peace. The reason why even in today's society that most world peace conferences don't work is the same reason why relationships don't work. Someone has to be willing to make the first move. The, the whole scenario... What the Arabs and the Jews, for that matter, is going to go on forever. 
until there's some type of move that is made. Other peace treaties that's tried to be made is going to go on forever until someone makes the first move. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 23, so if you are about to place your gift on the altar, remember that someone is angry with you. I'm reading from another translation. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Everybody say, make peace. Make peace with that person, then come back and offer your gift to God. We've said it before, and it bears repeating. We're trying, trying, attempting to live the Christian life. It's always our turn to make peace. We're the offender or the offended. It's always our turn to make peace. Why? Because the longer that we wait to resolve a relationship problem, the bigger the problem will get. We need peace on earth. E, we got to empathize with people. The other reason why peace doesn't work oftentimes is that no one is willing to look at the problem from the other's point of view. Amen. Not willing to look at the problem from the other's point of view. First Peter 3, 8, the New Living Translation says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Why? Why should they be full of sympathy toward each other? Because they're trying to see each other or the problem from each other's point of view. And one of the first things that's very good to bring order and tranquility is to listen. Most part, when my wife listens to me or someone listens to me, they're telling me that they care about what I have to say. There was an old couple that was seeking a divorce. The woman was about half deaf. Went to the lawyer's office. He had some questions. He said, do you have grounds? She says, yes, 40 acres. He said, do you have a grudge? She says, yes, a double. Grudge. He says, does he beat you up? No, he says, I'm up before him every day. What's the problem here? He doesn't communicate. <laughs> Here's some valid and important that whenever people are hurting you, here is a good principle to consider hurt people hurt people hurt people have a tendency to hurt people sometimes you got to look beyond the hurt that you're receiving and ask what is hurting them to cause them to hurt me someone say peace the key to intimacy Bear it well is conflict. Mm -hmm. The key to intimacy is conflict. If you never have any conflict, you always exist on the surface level. But when you deal with the conflict in a positive way and resolve it, create greater understanding, it brings you closer, it makes you stronger, and thus comes the most closeness that an individual could have, perhaps with another a husband or a wife. A of the peace. Attack the problem, not the person. Proverbs 10.10 from the New Living Translation said, People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. Attack the problem, not the person. Everyone say peace. Ephesians 4.15 from another translation says, Instead, by speaking the truth in a spirit of love... We must grow up in every way to Christ who is the head. Anytime there's ongoing conflict, somebody's hiding something. 
Anytime there's ongoing conflict, somebody is hiding something. Because the truth always makes you free. One thing is for certain, we can never be persuasive when we are abrasive. You don't get your point across by being cross. You've got to stop fixing the blame in order to fix the problem. Seven rules for fighting fair in a relationship might be this. We need peace. Everyone say peace. peace. Never compare. Never compare. It's unfair. Never compare. Never condemn. You are. Not you are. It's better to assume the position I feel. Saying, you're... You're always lazy. I always feel that you're lazy. I don't know. Never command. You can't be demanding. Never challenge. Threats seem to tear down. Never condescend. Don't belittle or play the psychologist. Never contradict. Want to interrupt? Get you. Want to do that? Never confuse. Don't bring up unrelated issues. You know, I'm, I want God to be honest just here for a moment. Anytime, almost every time in the past five years of pastoral ministry that I begin teaching along the lines of marriage, you could hear a pin drop around here. And I tell you what that explains to me. There's problems. So five years from now, I'll be doing this again along the way. The sea and peace cooperate as much as possible. There is a certain element of compromise that needs to be in every human relationship. We've got to try to find areas of common ground, places where we can be flexible. Yeah. Fell in love with my wife, not over what I saw different between us, but over what I saw was similar. Then after we got married and after a year, I started seeing things that were different. That caused some of our conflict, some of our tension. But I didn't get on a mountain that I chose I was going to die on because I understood it was something I could be flexible over. Amen. And let me tell you, there are no perfect marriages. If someone tells you that, they're lying. You're saying, well, Brother McGee, then you're lying because we've never had an argument in my home. Well, if that's the case, you're absolutely contradictory to the Scripture. You, your life then contradicts what the Bible says it is like. So you should already be pre-raptured and be caught away with Enoch because your life says the Scripture is a lie. Romans 12, 18 says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, as much as lieth in you, you're going to great strides at peace. Not just with, with husband and wife, but friend, other relative for that matter, uncle, aunt, cousin, brother, sister, mom, dad, as much as life with you. 
live peaceably with all men. James 3.17, New Living Translation says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. That's a mouthful. I would dare to say that more relationships die from inflexibility from anything else. This is my ground and I'm protecting it. Uh-huh. The E of peace emphasize reconciliation and not resolution. Because reconciliation is the reestablishing of the relationship. Resolution means every single issue is resolved. And the fact of the matter, you're not just going to do that overnight. We can disagree without being disagreeable. On the plane of a home, on the plane of family, on the plane of a church, we can disagree without being disagreeable. You can have unity in a relationship without having uniformity. Uh-huh. You can walk hand in hand in a relationship without seeing eye to eye. You can have reconciliation without every single issue being resolved. And what resolved in most matters is this, them seeing it my way. When two people agree on everything, one of them isn't necessary. In courtship, opposite is always attracted. And then after opposites attract, after marriage, opposites attack. It's the attraction attack mode. So we got to get back on track. Emphasizing reconciliation, the relationship. The relationship more than the peripheral, oftentimes negotiable issues. 2 Corinthians 5.18, the Bible says, and all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Consider this for a moment. Christ if I can use the husband-wife illustration, Christ and his church being the wife, when God reconciled the church to himself, that was not a resolution of every issue that the church had. But it was a reconciliation of the relationship, and through the process of the relationship, there are some issues that are still being resolved on my part. There's a very simple case in point. If the marriage is supposed to be a model for that relationship between Christ and his church, that you can have a relationship that has issues that still need to be worked through and that you are not without issue within your marriage. That's just one. That's just one. I'm not up here to go through the list of all, but that's just one. Reconciliation in many ways is a synonym for being a peacemaker. Because when you are attempting to be a peacemaker, you're doing the work of God. When you're restoring relationships, reconciliation, when you're restoring relationships, whether that be on a spiritual plane or a natural plane, you're doing the work of God. Amen. A ministry of reconciliation. And so here are some things then that I believe, and I'll close very shortly. Amen. Because I realize the hour already. 
the question that we must ask ourselves then today is who do we need to reconcile with? What about this, this peace that is the remedy for conflict? Number one, if you don't have peace with God, if you're living in discord or you're living in disobedience to God, that needs to be first and foremost primary for you at this time of year. You need to make peace with God. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't, for that matter, produce any lasting peace without God and his spirit. But secondly, outside of that, you need to make peace and have the peace of God because our minds are attacked in this life. Our thought processes are totally deranged and try to be interrupted in this life, and we need the peace of God. But thirdly, we need peace on earth. And thank the Lord for his Christ child and all of that, that there would be some goodwill for men. What I'm saying is if there's trouble in your relationships, whether it be brother to brother, woman to woman, husband to wife, parent to child, cousin to cousin, friend to friend, if there's trouble in your all's relationships, you need peace of God that can bring some divine order in all of those circumstances of life. You'll stand with me tonight. I'll close. I don't want to go over the 830 hour. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.